There's four big uh, celebrations in the life of the Christian church, four very significant celebrations. One of them is today, Good Friday, or Easter Friday as it's known. Another is this coming Sunday, Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday, where we will be celebrating the resurrection of Christ and we'll be baptizing people into a new life on Sunday night. And it's going to be a wonderful moment. Christmas, of course, where we celebrate the birth of our Saviour and uh, Pentecost Sunday, which is coming, where we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit and the birthing of the church in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so today is Good Friday. The world and the church, we turn our focus towards the cross. And the cross is a symbol that's significant and central to Christianity. And it's, it's a focus right now of the whole world. You'll see crosses on churches. You'll see crosses, crosses in churches. Some of you are delighted that we finally got a cross in our church today. Uh, we're not normally, we, we kind of, anyway, we, let's not go there. Uh, you'll see crosses in schools, Christian schools, religious schools. You'll see crosses in people's piercings, their ears, their noses. You'll see crosses on necklaces. You'll see crosses on tattoos. And for many people, these crosses all have a different significance for people. For some, the cross, and I ask people when I see someone wearing a cross, I'll ask uh, sometimes, what does that mean to you? It's a great conversation starter. And for some people, the cross is a reminder of their religious upbringing, maybe a reminder of solid family values. For some people, the cross is, it's a trendy accessory. I don't really know why they're wearing it. It's just People do it, and it's a trendy accessory. For some people, it's a, a spiritual symbol that they have alongside other spiritual symbols, either in their home or their house, crystals or candles or whatever it might be. It's just kind of like hedging their bets. Get the cross in there as well. But for those of us who are Christians, born again, saved by Jesus Christ, the cross is very significant. Paul writes in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the message of the cross, it's foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It is the power of God, the message of the cross. And so today, it's a, it's a different feeling day, Good Friday, to Resurrection Sunday. Because it's a day where we stop and we reflect and we express our gratitude because of the weightiness that goes with what happened on Good Friday. There's a gravity where we, we stop and so often we focus that Jesus is now seated at the right hand of the Father. He's in heaven. He's victorious. He's exalted. And Sunday by Sunday, by, day by day, that's our focus. But today we drill down into the reality of a gruesome, horrific suffering with solemnness as we reflect on what it cost Jesus to purchase our salvation, what it cost the Son of God. Make no mistake, today is a day where the power of this cross is still effective. And so the message I want to share with you this morning, this simple message in the next 15 or so minutes, I call the Great Exchange. The Great Exchange. Now, I've got a son who is probably nicknamed could be the Great Exchange because he loves to trade 
pretty much anything. I believe it might have started with a fish tank. There's been surfboards. There's been jet skis. There's been boats. There's been motorbikes. There's been four-wheel drives. There's been uh, surfboards, cars, utes, you name it. He's traded it. I think we're in the 150 level of trading in the last four or five years. He's very good at the great exchange. Uh, If you've watched the Castle movie, you'll understand that sometimes at our place, the conversations would go like, oh, there's some jousting sticks. How much do they want? 450. Tell him he's dreaming. What's a set of jousting sticks worth, Dad? 250 if they're in good condition. That's the kind of vibe that goes on in our house. And usually the value of the trade is always talked up until we've got to trade again the next time. And Every now and then there's a remarkable exchange that made the last 30 worth it, and it's awesome, and I love it. And the cross is about an exchange. It's God paying the penalty for us so that we could be exchanged, we could exchange the price and penalty of our sin for what, for what Jesus took, and we could have the forgiveness and the peace that he offered. I want to read quite a long scripture and let the scripture speak for itself. It's Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah was a prophet who lived 700 years before Jesus. He prophesied in remarkable detail, along with other prophets of the Bible, of what the coming Messiah would do, what he would look like, where he'd be born, how he'd be born, who he'd be born to. Fact after fact after fact was prophesied hundreds of years because God was pointing all of history to the moment of the coming of his son. Humanity's axis is the coming of Jesus Christ. We either were looking forward to it or now we're looking back on it as the most significant thing that has happened for the human race. And Isaiah, 700 years before Christ came, prophesied and recorded this about Jesus in verse, Isaiah 53, verse 2. My servant, speaking of Jesus, grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in a dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was an ordinary Jewish boy. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. Speaking of the cross right now. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. For he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, 
that his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. It was the Lord's good plan to crush him and to cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. Because of his experience, my righteous servant will, be, will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. 700 years before Jesus came, the prophet Isaiah prophesied in detail, and we could go through line by line, step by step, exactly what happened to Jesus. For example, he was crucified amongst thieves and buried in a rich man's grave. Two prophecies that came to pass with Christ, many of them there. Death by crucifixion was one of the most cruel and shameful death that could, had, could be devised. It was a Roman practice inflicted only upon slaves and the worst of criminals. A person was nailed to the cross, each hand extended to the utmost stretch, their feet were nailed together, and the cross was lifted and dropped into a hole with a violent thud which disjointed the whole body. The weight of the body hung on nails through the hands and the feet. A victim was left on the cross until he died of pain and untold sufferings. Before Jesus was crucified, this torturous death, he was handed over to the Roman soldiers in the praetorium. This is Pilate sentenced Jesus to death. The Jews couldn't sentence him to death. They were under a Roman empire. The praetorium or the, the, the courtyard of the praetor or the, or the Roman magistrate uh, had around 600 Roman soldiers. Uh, it was swelled that time because it was Passover and there would have been legions of Roman soldiers who were in Jerusalem to keep the peace because of this Jewish festival, the Jews being under their rule and reign. And so 600 soldiers, the Bible tells us, around about came out into the praetorium to oversee the brutalization of the perfect, pure Son of God. They were demonized men. They were violent men. They were men who came to mock, abuse, and torture the Son of God. This was part of God's plan for the redemption of mankind, you and I. A scourge was the Roman implement for severe bodily punishment. It consisted of a handle with about a dozen leather cords at the end of each cord, jagged pieces of bone or metal to make each blow more painful and effective. The victim was tied to a, toast, a post in the praetorium courtyard. The blows were applied to a bare back, loins, sometimes the face and bowels. The flesh was cut severely by each blow. So hideous was the punishment that many victims fainted and some died as a result just of the scourging. It was designed to get confessions and secrets from victims, yet Christ had no secret to tell. The flogging was permitted up to, by law, 40, and under Jewish law, one less at 39. So Jesus, if they had 12 thongs on the on the scourge, which is most likely was whipped 39 times, making 468 stripes or markings, many of them double and deeping down. 
His body, because of the intense demonized hatred of each blow, was marred, the Bible says, and he's beyond recognition. Not only that, but the Roman soldiers came out and, all, and spat upon him, beat him with a rod, punched him, and jammed a crown of thorns upon his head. It's, it's amazing that just that didn't kill him. He was tortured more than any person has ever been tortured. And in addition to this, you wonder, how could God, who'd become man, who'd lived a perfect life, how could he tolerate that? I, I avoid thinking about the, the depth of this most days of the year, but I feel it on Easter Friday for us to know the cost of what it cost Jesus for our freedom. It's worth reflecting on. How did Jesus get through that? How did he endure the, not just the physical pain, the betrayal of one of his disciples, the abandonment, the false accusations, the, the humiliation and torture? The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, that we look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down now on the right hand of God. I want to go back to one of the verses in Isaiah chapter 53. It says, He was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities, or bruised is another verse. The, the punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. There's two words there that are really interesting for us to understand. One's transgressions and one is iniquities. Uh, transgressions is where you transgress or cross over with your actions a line. I transgressed. The speeding limit was this, and I went over that line. This is not a particular confession right now. That's a, the speeding limit was this, and my wife went over the line. It's a transgression. You crossed an external line of acceptability. Whereas an iniquity is an internal thing. An iniquity is something that people might not see, obviously, but it's an iniquity can be where you imagine killing somebody. And that's the iniquity of our heart. Jesus said that if a person uh, imagines uh, uh, lusting after a woman, when he looks at them and he imagines uh, sex in that sense, then he has committed that adultery already before God. Because before God, the external and the internal are both equally important. You might have, I remember moments, and I feel like I've had this moment with one of my kids where, where you're like, you need to sit down. They're like, no, I want to stand up. You need to sit down. No, I want to stand up. Eventually, if you don't sit down, this consequence is going to happen. And they sit down, but you hear them mumble, but I'm still standing up on the inside. Come on, who's got one of those kind of kids? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, who is one of those kind of kids? <laughs> All right. That's the transgression of the things we know we did wrong, but the iniquities. And the Bible tells us that at the cross, Jesus was pierced or nailed to a cross for every single transgression that every person who's ever lived and will ever lived, he was pierced and punished for the transgressions. But then it says he was, he was crushed, bruised, beaten for the iniquities, for the judgments, for the criticisms, for the pride, 
for the anger, for the hatred, for the, the things that we know are wrong, but we don't necessarily outwork them and cross over any boundaries, but it's the iniquities of our heart. And he was bruised for that. This is the power of the great exchange that Christ in a moment bore our sin. Bible said it was laid upon him. He bore it in his body. Uh, one verse says that he, he who knew no sin became sin for all of us. So that every possible sin has been dealt with at the cross, paid for in full by the perfect Son of God so that we can exchange our guilt for his perfection. A Bible word is that he imputes righteousness to us. It's like a financial account where someone would impute money into your account and God puts in your account the goodness, the perfection, the righteousness of Christ and he credits it to you if you believe in him and he puts in Jesus' account all of the stuff that I couldn't pay for and Jesus took it to the cross. The solemnness of today the fact that God himself, motivated and driven by love for every person on the planet, would take our sin and bear it in his body and, and wear the punishment for it, is overwhelming. Colossians chapter 2, verse 14 says, Having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness. That's all, that, that's the list. Come on, that's the list of your sin and my sin. Some of our lists are quite detailed, long, but all of our lists, transgressions or iniquities, count us out from being worthy of relationship with God and eternal life. And Jesus paid the price. He said he's, he's cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, and he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. The Bible verse goes on and says, the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Hundreds of wounds so that we can exchange our sickness for healing. So this is the, the power and the moment of the cross today. Last week, Tom shared his story in Sunday morning. He talked about when he came to church, not wanting to come to church, expecting judgment, he found joy. I loved it. I love that expression. And so many people come to church or avoid church because we're so conscious of our sin. We're so conscious we don't measure up. We're so conscious that there's so many rules that have been projected on us. But I want to tell you today, the message of the cross is not to make you feel guilty. The message of the cross is not to give you a list of rules that you have to follow right now. The message of the cross is that every sin you've ever done, thought, said, past, present, future has been paid for at the cross. And all we have to do, two things. One is we've got to own our stuff and just go, you know, you're right. I don't measure up. I'm sorry. I don't measure up to God's standard. I've been ducking it, but I'm guilty. I haven't treated people the way I should have. I haven't been pure in my heart, my words, or my deeds the way I know I should have. 
And so I'm owning it. The Bible says if you own it, you repent. That's just changing your mind. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask for God's help to do it differently. And then I'm going to, the second thing, put my faith in Jesus. That when he did that on Good Friday, 2,000 years ago, it was so that I don't have to pay the penalty for my own stuff-ups. And then this great exchange happens. He gets, he took my sin, I get his righteousness. Associated with sin, the Bible says the wage of sin is death. Associated with sin, here's the consequences that we all live with. Anxiety, grief, depression, lack of peace in our heart. We feel the tension of our separation from God. Lack of purpose, lack of hope for the future. This is the consequence of sin, and that's what the Bible says. The punishment that brought us peace. Today, God wants to exchange your depression, your grief, your pain, your anxiety, your struggle, your doubts, your fears. He wants to exchange it and replace it with peace, with his love, and with his joy. I want us to close our eyes right now. Father, I just thank you today for your incredible love. It's unfathomable that you would send Jesus, your son, the darling of heaven, and let him bear our sin, bear our shame, bear our guilt, pay the price. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In a moment, we're going to share communion to remember and reflect. But before we do, I'm wondering if you're here today, maybe like Deb might not be holding your first date's hand, but you might be here today and you don't have, you've never owned your stuff and asked for forgiveness and you've never put your faith in Jesus. In a moment, I would love to lead you in a prayer doing just that, asking God's forgiveness and putting your faith in Jesus. That's the doorway to a relationship with God. You were created for a relationship with God. I was created for a relationship with God. Life won't work until I'm in that place of connection with him. That's why Jesus paid the price, so that we could be forgiven, cleansed, and connected to God. Not to rules, but the loving God who wants the best for you and knows the best for you. So what I'm going to do in a moment, I want to lead us in a prayer in a moment. In your seats, all of us are going to say this prayer together owning our stuff, asking for forgiveness and putting our faith in Jesus so that we can be cleansed and made right with God and begin a relationship with Him. So what we're going to do when we all pray that, if you want to do this either for the first time or as a recommitment, then I want you to pray with us. And what I'm going to ask us to do in just a moment, I'm going to ask if you're wanting to pray that prayer for the first time to connect with God, in a moment I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I'll just say, I see your hand, you can put it down. And then we'll all pray the prayer together in a few minutes. Or, so if, if you've never prayed that prayer, 
If you've never surrendered your life to God, if you know something's missing, today's your day to pray that prayer. In a moment, I want you to raise your hand. Or some of you, there was a point in your life where you made that decision, but you slipped away, you drifted away. Maybe you like Deb, you were brought up in church. Maybe you went to Sunday school or youth group or, and you just got distracted or hurt or other things came up, whatever, but you know, you didn't stop believing in God, but you're just not in a relationship with Him. If today you want to reconnect with God, if you want to get right with God afresh, I'm going to ask you in a moment to raise your hand as well. Or if you're just not sure when you die whether you're going to go to heaven, lots of people hope they are, they believe in God and are a good person. But I want to tell you today, that's not what gets you to heaven. What gets us to heaven is what happened at the cross. And we have to put our faith in Jesus. And when we do, there comes a confidence in our heart, a peace that I'm right with God. So if you're not sure you're going to heaven and you'd like to be, can you join in this moment when I say raise your hand? Raise your hand and we'll include you in this prayer. So right across the room right now, you're saying, John, I want to begin that relationship with God. I want to come back to Him because I've drifted away or I want to be sure I'm going to heaven. Would you just raise your hand right now and say, that's me. I want to get right with God. Thanks, mate. I see your hand. That's awesome. Who else right now? Just raise your hand up. Thanks over there. I see your hand. Up the back there. Awesome, man. I see your hand. Thank you. Who else right now? Just raise it up. Up the back over here. Thank you. I see your hand. Who else? You want to join with these people today. You can put your hand down uh, right up the back. Thank you so much. Who else right now? You're saying, that's me as well. Yes, something's missing in my life. Yes, you, you can have lots of things going well externally in your life. But spiritually, you know something's missing. And if that's you, I want to include you in this prayer. Would you join with these four who have already raised their hand? In a moment like this, what happens is God's Spirit, He, He just starts to tap on your heart. You get this impression, this is my moment to get right with God. Your brain comes up with a thousand and one excuses why you shouldn't put your hand up. But the reality is this is a moment where your eternity and is in the balance and it's a powerful moment. And I want to do everything I can, not to coerce you, but to help you make a courageous decision to get your, right, your life on track, connected with God, going in the right direction that you were born for. And so if that's you and you haven't put your hand up yet, would you raise your hand as well? So that's me as well. I want to get right with God. Thank you. I see your hand. Who else right now? Raise it up real high. Raise it up real high. Fantastic. I see your hand. That's awesome. Thank you. Who else right now? Raise up your hand real high in this moment. Don't put it off for another day, for a better moment. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to get right with God. One last time, because I feel like there's still some more people. Your heart's pounding because God's knocking on the door of your heart. There's a wrestle going on internally. I want you to surrender to the wrestle because God has so much planned for you. You just have to surrender. One more time. I'm looking across the room. If that's you, raise your hand. Awesome. Thank you. I see your hand. Who else right now? Would you raise your hand as well? One more time. Looking across the room, looking around the, the middle, looking to my left. Fantastic. All right. Eight hands have gone up. This is awesome. Church, can you put your hands together for these people making this decision? That's amazing. And we're going to pray together right now. So can we close our eyes? And those people, you raised your hand. I want to ask you to pray with me today, with all of us. Say these words after me. Say, dear God in heaven, I thank you that you love me, that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for my sin 
in my place. I'm sorry for living my way. I'm turning to you to live your way. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and the power of God. I thank you today that I am forgiven, cleansed, born again in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Come on, let's put our hands together for everybody responding to God. We're so excited for you. It's a wonderful decision. Uh, one of our team, we've got a team of people who have seen your hand go up. If they didn't, you just tell the friend you came with today. I put my hand up or you can connect with someone outside in our, our next step zone, but we'd love to help you. Uh, two things I just want to talk to you about right now that are really important. First one is when you have a relationship with God, because that's what you've just either begun or recommitted to, then you need to be part of His family. That's the way you have a relationship with God. Church is His family. So I want to invite you to continue to come along to church. That's the first thing. The second thing Deb referred to is a course we call Alpha. And it's a simple course. It's about six weeks long. Uh, we run it pretty regularly in our church. I'd really encourage you, if you've got questions, you want to talk about stuff, it's about Jesus and the Bible. It helps us really understand uh, more, like we've talked about today, more about the Bible and about Jesus and how He relates to our life. Really highly recommend you do Alpha. It's a real powerful moment. Love it. So proud of you. Excited for your future.